Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the History of Middle-Earth podcast, coming to you from the archives of Minas Tirith. My name is Phil, and I will be your guide for today's adventure back to Middle-Earth. Or some would say, I am here to fill you in. It's a terrible joke, but I promised someone I would do it on the show at least once. Anyway, today's show is brought to you by Chase McKinney. Thank you so much for your support, Chase. We have a cool episode planned for you all today, so we are going to jump right in. Now for this week in Middle Earth history, on Thursday, October 17th of 2941, Thorne's company starts searching for the hidden door to Erebor. Friday, October 18th of 3019, Glorfindel finds Frodo at dusk and Gandalf reaches Rivendell. October 20th, Frodo makes his escape across to across the Bruinen from the Ring Race thanks to the help of Elrond and Glorfindel. Also on the 20th, in 1955 is when The Return of the King was published. October 22nd of 2941, the hidden door to Erebor is open and Bilbo descends into Smaug's lair. On the 23rd, the following day, Smaug attacks Lake Town, and on October 25th of 3018 is when the Council of Elrond starts. Alright, now for the main topic. We're going to be going over the Barrow Downs and the Barrow Whites. When talking about land and structures, a down is simply a low-lying hill, from the Anglo-Saxon dune meaning hill. In the United Kingdom, a down is gently rolling chalk hill in southern England, which was seen especially in the north and south downs. A barrow, not to be confused with the wheeled vehicle, wheelbarrow, is a tumulus or prehistoric grave mound. The name, therefore, would represent an earlier Old English form of Bayorga Dune, Downs of Barrows. A possible inspiration of this place for J.R.R. Tolkien was the Barrow Downs of Warwickshire, near the village of Long Compton. The Barrow Downs were first inhabited by the race of men related to the Edane in the First Age, along with the hills of the Evendim to the north. They ended up fleeing east as Easterlings invaded Eriador and passed on through to Beleriand. But after they had left or been killed in the War of Wrath, the Edain returned to their old homes. During the Second Age, they were pretty numerous, and when they met with the Numenorians, the Barrow Downs were the first places where the Dunedain immigrants from Numenor settled. When Elendil returned to Middle-earth, the Barrow Downs were included in with the kingdom of Arnor. The Downs were revered because of the great barrels by the Arnorians, so they buried their lords and kings there. After the split of Arnor in 861 of the Third Age, the Barrow Downs became the capital of Cardolan after Rudar fell to Angmar in 1409. The Dunedain of Cardolan dug in to prepare for the fight there, but eventually the realm fell. Around TA 1636, the Witch King sent the Barrow White spirits that haunted the hills, preventing any resettlement there. After Arthedain once again claimed the kingship over all of Arnor, the Dunedain tried to recolonize Cardolan, but this failed because of the Witch King's Barrow Whites. 
When the ringwraiths came up north in their hunt for the one ring, the witch king stayed in the barrow downs for a few days, rousing the barrel whites. On 29 September 3018, Frodo Baggins and the other hobbits were trapped in the downs by a white, probably the same down which held the grave of the last prince of Cardolan. Three of them were about to be sacrificed by the whites before Frodo was able to remember the song that Bombadil told him to sing if they get into a sticky situation again. They were rescued by Tom Bombadil, who was also the one who got them their swords. Torngorthod was the Sindarin name of the Barrow Downs. Torngorthod is a compound of Torn, Down, and Gorthod of Buried. In one manuscript, the name Torngorthiad was used by Tolkien. Gorthiad seems to be the plural of Gorthod. The Barrow Whites were evil undead beings of darkness who dwelt in dark places of Eriador, such as the Barrow Downs. They were undead-like beings that were animated by evil demons. Barrowites were not wraiths or ghost-like beings. They had a physical form. The characteristics of, shape of Shapeshifter gave Barrowites the ability to reanimate whatever life form they wished. The ones which attacked the four hobbits reanimated the corpses of the kings of the barrows that were, bur that were buried there long ago. The Barrow Whites began appearing in the Barrow Downs after the Dunedain of Cardolan lost countless people to the Great Plague. They were put there by sorcerers of Angmar who corrupted the souls of the, of the inhabitants of the Barrow Downs. The sorcerers were sent by the Witch King of Angmar who wished to keep the Dunedain away from there. In most cases, the Barrow White would appear to the unwary traveler in the form of a dark phantom whose eyes were luminous and cold. The voice of the figure was horrible and hypnotic, sending chills down the spine of anyone that heard it. Due to its skeletal hand, they had a touch like pure ice and a grip like the iron jaws of a trap. Once under one of their spells, the victim had no will of their own. This is how the Barrowites drew the living into the tombs of the Downs. A dismal choir of tortured souls could be heard inside the barrel as... In the green half-light, the barrel white laid his victim on a stone altar and bound him in chains of gold. He draped him in a pale cloth and precious jewelry of the ancient dead, and with his sacrificial sword, brought them to a gruesome end. That sounds terrifying. The Barrow Downs were east of the Brandywine River, beyond the Old Forest, and were the most ancient burial ground of men in all of Middle-earth. There were no trees and no water there, only grass-covering, dome-shaped hills that were crowned with monoliths and great rings of bone-white stone. These hills were the burial mounds that were made in the first age of the sun, that's S-U-N, for the kings of men. For many ages, the Barrow Downs were sacred, until out of the kingdom of Angmar, many terrible and tortured spirits fled across Middle-earth, desperately searching to hide from the ravening light of the sun. Demons whose bodies had been destroyed looked for other bodies in which their evil spirits could dwell. The Barrow Downs became a haunted and terrible place that became a safe haven for these demons. The demons became Barrow Whites, the undead who animated the bones and jeweled armor of ancient kings of men who had lived in the First Age. In the darkness, they were powerful spirits and they could be held at bay only with the spell of strong incantations such as Tom Bombadil's song. However, normally they could be destroyed only by exposure to light.
The Barrowites were lost in tortured spirits, and their last chance to remain upon Earth depended on a dark security of burial vaults. Once the stone chamber was broken open, the light would pour in on the Barrowites, and they would fade like a mist before the sun and be gone forever. As the White had finished a sacrificial incantation and was preparing to finish them off, Frodo summoned up the courage and sliced off its hand. He then called up Tom Bombadil when the White extinguished the dim light in the cavern. Bombadil performed some kind of exorcism on the barrow through the rare power of his singing, which caused the White to flee with a shriek. Bombadil then spread out the gold and treasures from the barrel on the grass so that the barrow's spell was broken and no white could make habitat there again. According to Elrond, the elves knew the barrel whites by many names. While these names are not recorded, except for the general denomination of evil spirits, the creatures were also called barrow dwellers in hobbit lore. Often they were referred to by the shortened form whites. And now we have the torture chant of the barrel white. Hold me hand and heart and bound, and could we sleep under stone. Never more to wake on stony bed, never till the sun fails and the moon is dead. In the black wind the stars shall die, and let still be gold here let them lie. Till the dark lord lifts his hand over dead sea and withered land. So there you have it, the history of the Barrow Downs and the Barrow Whites. Next week, we will be going over the town of Bree. And now we're going to go on to listener questions, because that was a dark and freaky episode. So, anyway, our question this week comes from Danielle White. She says, are the trees in the old forest ants, or did they used to be ants, possibly the lost antwives? And is there any information on what happened to the antwives? So they're not all ants. Uh, there are just kind of standard trees, ants, and then huorns uh, to kind of bridge the gap between the two. Ants are a particular type of tree-like being that are more of like what you see in the movies. And the huorns in the old forest, as well as fangorn. And there are horns in the Old Forest, as well as Fangorn. And the horns, which we do see a little of in the movie, but only in little bits and pieces, like the tree in Fangorn that captures Merry and Pippin, that Treebeard has to then rescue them from, that is actually to take the place of Old Man Willow in the Old Forest, where Bombadil rescues them. They just gave that part to Treebeard since Bombadil wasn't in the movie. Old Man Willow was a was said to be a horn, and knowing that there are fang there are horns in Fangorn as well, we can kind of you know put two and two together to say that that particular tree was one. Uh, we also see them at the at the Battle of Helm's Deep when they come in behind the Urukai, uh, where there were no trees there before, but the, then shortly after there were, and that's where Aomer yells for everyone to stay away from the forest, but the Urukai went to kind of regroup there, only to be finished off by the horns. So the horns look like normal trees, basically, but can move and even communicate with ants. Uh, it's not clear if horns were ants that had become 
more like a tree or a tree that had become more entish or that they're just their own unique species of tree. Although Mary um, believed that they used to be ants themselves. As for the ant wives, they started mo- they started to move further away from the male ants because they like to plant and control small things like the vegetables and grass and flowers and little things like that. While the male ants were more into the larger trees of the great forests. The ant wives then traveled eastward over the Anduin and went to the region. The ant wives then traveled eastward over the Anduin and went to the region that would later become the Brownlands. Unfortunately, Sauron burned that whole region to stop the advance of the Last Alliance from coming down the Anduin. And during that time, it's believed that the Entwives were likely wiped out, although it's also believed that some could have been captured and enslaved as workers for Sauron. Um, But also there's some that believe it is possible that they escaped into the east of Middle-earth. For example, there is a forest out by the Sea of Rune, just on the northern end of it, and that's where some believe the remainder of the Entwives could just be hiding out. Unfortunately for the the ants, just believe they're all just lost um, since it's just been so long. So hopefully that answers your your questions. And last bit of notes um, before I let you go. All right, so I've been totally neglecting this for some reason. I don't know why I can never remember it. But going over some of the polls that we've been doing, uh, there's several now going... A good ways back, there was one uh, that said, while still, while still functioning and in their prime of health and populace, which underground city would you live in? And there, the two choices were Moria or Erebor. This one, there was 679 votes, and 42% of you said Moria, 58% said Erebor. I personally said Erebor because it just seemed a lot more finished off. And just the layout of it seemed a lot cooler and just more appealing to the eye if, you know, you're going to be living underground. But Moria also has that kind of historical part to it that makes it that also really cool. Uh, the second one, which military would you rather be a part of? The ones known for incre- their incredible skill in combat, the Easterlings, or the ones that are known for their unique resources used in combat? such as the Haradrim. This one had 109 votes, and 72% of you said the Easterlings, which is also what I put my vote in for, because they are my personal favorite people on the bad side. And 28% of you said the Haradrim. Third one decided is who would win an archery competition. Option one was Faramir, and two was Bard. This one had 261 votes, 34% of you said Faramir, 66% of you said Bard. And this one I thought it was going to be a little more even than it was. Um, I believe it was actually Philip Willis that was commenting about how Tolkien was wrote in about how Faramir was like basically unmatched in his skill with a bow among the race of men. So between that and Faramir, Bard taking down Smaug, 
I figured that would be pretty closer, pretty closer numbers than what it did. Anyway, last one, which of our fair maiden warriors are you more excited to hear about? And it was between Eowyn and Arwen. This one has 193 votes. 54% of you said Eowyn. 46% of you said Arwen. And so this one was pretty evenly split. And this is when, since Eowyn did win the following day or two after, was when I dropped the physical post for Eowyn. So if you can go to our website and see that if you haven't already, since it'll probably be a little while until we get to her podcast episode. And there's actually one more poll that is just finished recently um, that I forgot about. It is where we're all going to meet up for some food and drinks, either the Green Dragon or the Prancing Pony. This one had 475 votes. 66% of you said the Green Dragon, which is where I voted as well. And 34% of you said the Prancing Pony. And I definitely have to agree with Michael Dennis O'Callaghan, who said, why would I? we want to go to that awful pub with all those grimy men when we could hang and chill with hobbits? And that was basically my reasoning as well. I just feel like the Green Dragon would be less intense and more fun and not have a bunch of people staring you down with dirty looks. We do have a poll that is currently still open and ongoing. There are three days left in this poll, and it's about Aomer and Gimli. It says, these two almost face off against each other twice, once for real when they first meet, and then again just in a fun joking manner after Aragorn's coronation where they're basically kind of going back and forth of if Aylmer believes that Galadriel was the most beautiful being out there and Gimli was jokingly said he'll fight him over it. And that was a really fun scene to read. I wish that would have made it in the movie. But if those two war- mighty warriors did go at it for real or for fun, who do you think would take the victory? Right now we have a whopping 727 votes and Gimli is in the lead with 68%, leaving Aylmer with 32%, but there are still three days left in voting, so it's plenty of time to cast your votes. All right, so last bit of notes before I sign off is if you do want more content, feel free to follow our Facebook page, History of Middle-Earth Podcast. Again, we do have more content on there that won't, get, won't make it on to the podcast for a while. Uh, just this week, I dropped a post on Baragond who's become one of my all-time favorite characters now. So he's right up there with Faramir for me. And just some other people and places uh, that we won't get to for a bit. We have our Facebook group, History of Middle-Earth Podcast, which I feel like I shouldn't even advertise because Facebook still will not let me accept any group requests. So I don't even know how many people are sitting in limbo right now waiting for waiting to be accepted. I promise you all will be. It's just I can't do anything about it right now. We are also on Instagram, History of Middle Earth Pod. We have our website, ministeritharchives.com. And another thing that I've been neglecting to say like crazy, for whatever reason, is we do have our Discord page, History of Middle Earth Podcast, that anybody can go on and chat with. And then if you are one of our patrons, you can get access to the live recording chat. And we do have several tiers on our Patreon page, so be sure to check that out as well. 
Well, that's it for this week's episode. If you liked it, feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. Tell us how we did. If you have anything you want to have added into the show, also be sure to let me know. And again, quick reminder, if you have any questions you want answered on the show, send them to ministeryeartharchives at gmail.com. Or you can also just send it into the Facebook page there. You It does not have to be on the current or upcoming topic. You can ask it about people who we're not going to get to until two books down the road or somewhere we're not going to discover for a while. It can be on any topic. And also, if you are looking for an answer like immediately, you, you can put that in there as well so I can give you like a written response back and then... You don't have to wait for the next episode to hear your answer. Don't forget to swing over to an unexpected podcast for an in-depth chapter-by-chapter reread of The Lord of the Rings by Ezra and Lane. And give those guys a like and follow as well. They are on Facebook and Instagram as well at An Unexpected Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope to see you back next time. Until then, I'm your host, Phil, and you're listening to the History of Middle-Earth Podcast.